All right. All right. Let me just post this snippet into our chat so we have it. Uh, Any idea for a title of this one? Fresh Beer Not Found? (laughs) I would just name it something along the HTTP error, but... Yeah. I don't know. Kick around a couple ideas. Okay. So I'm going to be gone for five days. You you just came back and I'm going to be gone now. Okay. Uh, can you turn me up a little bit? You, I'm down. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Uh, I am leaving uh, tomorrow at... Uh, I leaves at like 10, I think. Going to uh, Tucson for our annual retreat. And then I am taking a day to go to the Grand Canyon, which I've never seen. Oh, nice. So I'm flying in. Instead of flying into Tucson, I'm flying into Phoenix. Can I get a rental car? Can you take a burrow down to the bottom? <laughs> no. I'm only going to be there for a, for like a day, half a day, probably. I mean, I have a, I have a uh, hotel up there, but you have to get back from my flight at three. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, but um, never been to Grand Canyon. Want to go? So I'm going in. So instead of going into Tucson, I'm going into flying into Phoenix, driving down to Tucson. It's about a two hour drive. Then uh, after the retreat on Saturday, I'm going to drive up to the Grand Canyon five hours, and then back to check out the Grand Canyon, and then drive down to Phoenix. Cool. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. Nearby. <laughs> so you're just going to like look at the rim and then turn around and drive back? Or well, you, I mean, I, I I figure a lot like Meyer Forest. I, I w- I'm glad I went there. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to be there for a couple days to get the awesomeness out of it. I'm sure I could view the canyon from one or two or maybe even three places and and get the majesty and all that good stuff Mm -hmm. without having to be like, I got to be here for for five days to get the whole picture. Okay. I mean, it's still a giant hole. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just like the, 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 the Meyer was just giant trees, but I mean, it was still yeah. cool. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and I, if, if I feel like some sort of spiritual awakening, then I'll go back. It won't be hard. <laughs> and then take the burrow to the bottom. And yes, then I will definitely take the burrow to the bottom. And, the guy and, I used to work with, he, um, just had his 50th, 50th birthday, and he was out in Vegas for it. And his wife surprised him with a helicopter flight over the canyon. Oh. Interesting. So, that's another thing you can consider. You know, just running a helicopter and <laughs> flying over the canyon. That's probably expensive. Or you could just go to the Grand Canyon of Pennsylvania. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's a valley. <laughs> <laughs> Search for it. There's the Grand Canyon of Pennsylvania. That's was there okay. a couple of years I'm, ago. I think I'm, I'm happy not searching for that. Um, <laughs> let's see. I did have some interesting stuff to talk about. Not all science stuff. Um, we talked a little bit about Westworld. Jeff, Jeff hasn't seen, seen the last episode uh, two episodes. Just or just the latest. Just the. I'm trying to think. I think I saw... Shit. What was the last thing that happened? Do you remember? Well, we saw the episode where 
Bernard was a host. Uh huh. And then see the episode after. I that. thought I. Well, how how did it start? Uh, it started with Anthony Hopkins talking to Bernard and Bernard getting upset at him, and then Anthony. Hopkins yeah, yeah. Was, okay, I saw that one. Okay. But so I haven't seen the last one, which came out on Sunday. Yes. Uh, let's see. I, I I wrote a forum post, a different forum about not not read up a different forum about why I was disappointed. Um. With, with what's going on in Westworld, I, I think I can describe it without without getting into any details that would mess up. Okay, but part of it is. Let me see if I can uh, go back on some of these posts and get to my points. My concerns about the show are that there's an emphasis, a strong emphasis, on. Uh, Basically, storytelling twists. And the storytelling twists have started to feel very inorganic. Uh, because the character motivations aren't well uh, established. The, there's only one character, perhaps two. Only one character whose motivations, who we know who his character is and his motivations make sense so far. And that's Bernard. The other character that we have an idea of their motivations is Maeve, but she's been shortcutted because she started out really interesting, and then they turned her into like an RPG where they pumped up her stats and gave mm-hmm. her god mode, and, and and suddenly that story became much less interesting when that happened because it just it was so artificial. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like. The various aspects. I know some people dislike like the the two timeline thing, which I th- I think is clearly going on. You can judge for yourself whether yeah, that's clearly going on. I I don't know yet, but they you know I haven't gone back and really checked for any crossovers, yeah. but I guess there has not been. So I, I'm not going to say whether there has yeah. been or not. It's okay. up to you uh, to see it, but. I actually like that as a storytelling device because you can get to some interest. You can tell interesting stories and you can mm-hmm. display people's uh, motivations a lot. You know, it's potential storytelling is, is 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 exciting, even though it's not necessarily a new technique. It's still a good one. Mm-hmm. But the two timelines in, in the last couple—I mean, for the last couple episodes—they have not been illuminating these characters at all. They've been there, and we've seen one or two scenes. Mm-hmm. And they've been just kind of, we haven't learned anything about the characters as they're on these two journeys. If if there are two timelines, you know, if it is two, uh, two people are complaining because it's, it's, it's not timelines. They're all the same timeline. It's just different time periods. Okay. Yeah. It's blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the, the point being that it, it feels like the characters being short shifted to get the story to where it needs to be. And so it feels like there's just a lot of uh, deus ex machina pushing around the, the chess pieces, getting people into positions they need to be for for the end exposure, which mm-hmm. for all we know could be that it's all been a game run by one person or two people. And, and, and the, you know, we don't know, but it's all built on this 
house, this house of cards, which is all these mysteries, as opposed to being built on these foundational characters. Mm-hmm. That's my real problem with, with Westworld. That, and everything about the show, everything else about the show, the acting, the production, the the camera work, the is is such. I, I love it. The music, the the direction. Every, yeah. Everything else about the show I love, and the writing is just failing on, and and it's it's annoying the hell out of me because it it could be so much better, it should be so much better. No, I I hear you, I hear you. I get they there was early on there was elements that I thought were fascinating, and probably not not the same ones that you thought of, but like the emergent property. You know, there's there's a great there's great stories to tell there. Right. Absolutely, and and like you said, that, you know the shortcuts that they've taken or whatever. You know, Maeve getting her stats bumped up. Yeah, you know, that Maeve's journey was completely undercut, but Maeve's had super interesting, and then all of a sudden became super mm-hmm. uninteresting because they just decided to shortcut through all the interesting stuff about emerging out of this cocoon. Yeah, where I really liked how they kind of the first two episodes how they kind of sprinkled in there like you know you build a system this complex intelligence is going to emerge Mm -hmm. from it beyond what was put into it you know it's a it's a it's a reactor yeah you know where you're getting more out of it than you put into it type thing and i was hoping that they were going to show that manifesting itself in you know several different interesting ways but now it's like sledgehammer you know <laughs> so that you know that's kind of kind of disappointing and so someone asked me because they you know they weren't getting what i was saying and, and they had different opinions i said you know let's find out different opinions we're not always going to agree but they asked me what what my version of episode nine would be uh not getting any spoilers episode nine didn't get any closer to an end okay um and my point was more like so this is just general this is all general but i'm gonna read we're gonna read it because i think it's i was i was happy with it so i'll read it by episode nine of ten i should know what each of the core characters are after i should know what the plans of all the characters are down to relative uh, specificity some I may already see in progress some things, having seen some of this happen already in episode 9. I should be able to separate who is in conflict with who, what their ultimate goals are, not just vague and broad concepts of what their overall motivations might be, especially if some of them may all be for show. I should expect to see some major stakes in the last episode because I should expect to know, at least on some constructive level, what the plans are for most of the characters. I should expect that one, maybe two of the characters have some tricks up their sleeves that I haven't found out about. I shouldn't be completely oblivious as to their capabilities and to their depth of, of, of their control. Uh, I shouldn't have no clue what's going to happen and <laughs> who's going to do what. I really should have absolutely no idea what anyone is truly capable of, and I probably shouldn't have a sneaking suspicion that the storyteller might be playing an elaborate game with me such that it was all an illusion to cover up a much simpler story. I put in parenthetical here. If that's going to happen, that really should come as a surprise. At this point with the show, it's almost expected. Uh, and finally, uh, as a comparison, I said, I think in the last 10 minutes of Die Hard here, we know who McLean is. We know who Hans is. We know that their relationship, we know that they are crafty, but we should also know what they are capable of 
and we really should know what the universe of the story will allow them to do and what it will allow them to control. Uh, my final point, you can only watch someone pull so many rabbits out of so many hats before you start to be wary and even exhausted every time you see a hat. That's my problem with the show. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't like episode 9. Okay. And because uh, it didn't set up episode 10. And it didn't set up the end of, of the arc. Mm-hmm. What else am I supposed to think? Maybe it will. Maybe episode 10 will blow my mind. But at this point, I doubt it. I'm still on board for episode 10. Mm-hmm. And probably on board for at least checking out the next season. Because there's so much that I like about the show. But if it's going to continue down this path, I'll abandon it halfway through season two. Right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing episode nine. (laughs) (laughs) You have a different opinion. This guy did. Mm -hmm. So. So that's that's uh, my Westworld commentary. What else do we have? Oh, okay. Um, We had a discussion before the election, just right before the election, on election day, actually. About a, an issue with the ballot that you had. We never got the chance to discuss that. An issue with the ballot that I had. An issue with the, with a question on the ballot. Oh, okay. Sure. If you want, I can talk about something else. No, we can talk about it. Sure. Uh, actually, let me get into some other stuff then. Okay. Because you don't seem that enthused. Um, one could argue... And not necessarily be uh, correct, but nonetheless argue that we, you and I, played a role in the current popularity of the Goza. (laughs) Okay. And how do we do this? Here's where my thinking comes in. Uh, Not any direct role, by any means. But since how things develop is all a complex interplay of Mm -hmm. of various different things and certain things interfering with other things and not... In some way or another, we know that the people at Westbrook listen to us. And Westbrook made kind of the, not necessarily the first Goza, but the one that gained a lot of popularity and introduced mm-hmm. a lot of people to the style. Okay. So, maybe it would have happened anyway. <laughs> maybe it, maybe they would not have, maybe they would have uh, made a Goza without having listened to us ever. All I'm saying is that on some ethereal level, we may have played a part. Played a part. <laughs> That's all I got, man. <laughs> That's all you got. <laughs> in terms, in terms of this, in terms of, in terms of our ability to influence the world. Well, I mean, That's the <laughs> well, no, no, no. If we influence the world that way, look at all the other stuff we might have influenced, right? We, we know that the guys in the Sierra Nevada warehouse have listened to us, mm-hmm. and then Sierra Nevada branched out with a bunch of new seasonals. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. We, we may have played a role in in, in some of Budweiser's fail <laughs> fails to to get craft. We uh, told them to make Michelob their craft brand. They they started to do that before uh-huh. the Belgian overlords bought them. Who else? Who else? Who else? Um, well, Almanac Jesse was a listener yeah. before he was a brewer, so. We're responsible for all of Almanac's great yeah. beers. <laughs> I didn't say responsible for it. I'm saying played a role. Played <laughs> some role of some significance. Not a huge not necessarily a huge significance at all, but some part. 
some part of that, some some tiny aspect of that. I mean, <laughs> I, I imagine a lot more of of you is going to be in Alley than, than, <laughs> than, 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 than in the you know, Yeah, than well than than in crappy radio <clears throat> in terms of the effect. But who knows? I, I like to think that we played some role. It's nice to think that. I don't know whether it's was true. That, butterfly effect or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right, butterfly effect. Same same way. We we, we flapped our wings in in uh, in Pittsburgh. But that, that was all predetermined to happen anyway. So maybe. Well, maybe if you're Laplace's demon. But as far as we know, that that can't happen. <laughs> okay, it's silly silly thought. Done. Um, M drive. M-drive? Have you have you seen anything about this? The EM drive, the the so this has been something that's been running around in circle in, in physics circles oh. for a while. Actually, haven't talked about. Well, tell me what it is. But I think we might have talked about this before. I don't think we did because I don't remember talking about it. This is a proposal for and supposedly a demonstration of a device that produces thrust without exhaust. No, we've talked about this. I think. I'm almost certain this really... Well, it's been so long. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about some more, but I'm pretty sure... The interesting thing is is that it just... It looks like all the stories about it are like less than two weeks old. Because it just recently got in... The, the, its first peer-reviewed paper, okay, where the where the peer-reviewed study indicates that there may be that there is some thrust coming out of this device, and if that's true, it doesn't make sense. Oh yeah, and we definitely talked about this. This whole it makes thrust, but we don't know why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we talked about this like three or four years ago. Well, now I know more about it. Okay, cool. Yeah, tell me about it. I want to know. The basic design is essentially uh, a cone of sorts, where there is one end that's larger than the other end, mm-hmm. uh, and then radio waves, microwaves, are bounced around inside the apparatus. And the the thought is that or at least the the claim I should say is that the the difference in geometry mm-hmm. somehow is causing thrust from one end uh, where the as the uh, radio waves are bouncing around inside the cavity, which okay. doesn't make any sense because of Newton's third law. Right, and because of conservation of momentum. The third law is every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Right. So, my first thought was, well, maybe you know, it could be uh, it doesn't have to be a thrust exhausting. It could be a pressure thing, right? But you can't create pressure if you're in the sailboat and you're blowing on the sail. Mm-hmm. You can't make the sailboat go. So, if you're the microwave, if you're the magnetron, and you're attached to mm-hmm. the cone. You can't make the cone go. Right, right. Uh, so the sailboat thing, in the, you can't make it go if you're in a vacuum. But in like if you're immersed in air, you can blow a fan onto a sailboat. It'll work. 
because you're blowing air from outside and you're collecting it and pushing it outward. That will that will actually work. But the the air you're pushing back on the fan blades. But because you're accepting air from the outside and because you're 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 creating an area of lower pressure inside an area of high pressure outside, you can actually motivate a, a, a sailboat to work with a giant fan attached to the boat. Yeah, it'll yeah it'll work. Believe it or not, MythBuster did it. Really? Yeah. Because you're you're getting you're getting impulse from around you, but if you were in a vacuum, it wouldn't work. If you're in a vacuum, you don't have air, right? But I mean, like if you but if, you're, if, if you're, you're pushing air with the fan blades, so the air is pushing against the fan blades. If, if you if your if your sailboat is a is a contained in a box that has air in it, then it's not going to do anything. But if you are accepting air from the outside, pushing it in. And if the well, whole what if the box if, is if the, the whole, size of the planet, though, well, if the box is inside the planet, then it'll move, but only inside that box, right? Why doesn't Newton's third law stop that, though? Newton's third law doesn't stop that because you're not because you, the the experiment space is not just a sailboat; the experiment space is the planet. So, but it's the same thing as if I have a bunch of baseballs. And I'm standing on a boat, and I throw them at the sail. Right. The boat's not going to go from the force of the balls hitting the sail because I'm pushing the boat back when I throw the baseball. If you throw the baseball, yes, because you're on the boat. Well, the fan. I'm talking about a fan. The idea the would be the fan is taking some air that's not on the boat and pushing it. Because the fan is pulling air that's not on the boat and pushing it. Because it's pulling the, it like I said, it has to be a large enough fan. You can't do it with a small fan. You got to be a big fan that's pulling in a lot of air from that's not in the boat. If you're on the boat, you throwing the ball is going to be enough motivation. Well, I'll, I'll pick up boat. I have balls floating in the water. I grab one of those each time. That that still the motivation, the energy is coming from inside the boat. Now, if you're not on the boat, if well, no, next, no, but the, the energy that's moving the air towards the sails from the fan. Right, but the air itself is coming from outside. I don't see why that matters. Trying to see if I can uh, figure out a good way to explain it. Uh, The fan is blowing air and it's collecting air to -hmm. blow. Right. So, if it was just a box around here and all the air was self-contained, then nothing... The boat would go to the front of the box. Well, but I mean, the boat is at the... Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, it's not going to make the box go. Yeah, it's not going to make the box go. But inside this box, this boat will, will move towards the front of this box. But only towards the front of that box. I need to see the Mythbusters. I okay. Don't, I don't. I don't buy it. Point being that this doesn't make sense because if that works, then this M drive should work. Well, no, because the radio waves are not is not immersed in radio waves. This boat is immersed in a fluid, and you're pulling in fluid from outside, 
and pushing on it to get a basically a larger flow of fluid this way than would normally be out here. So essentially, it's a it's a density issue or it's a it's a pressure issue. Whereas this is a situation where you're in empty space and there's no fluid that you okay, could be immersed so in. The Mythbusters, was it a square sail or was it using something that was more like an airfoil? Because if it was something like an airfoil, I could see how the pressures could make it move. I, I would have but to look at it. But if it was a square sail, then that's... I don't know. I don't know the answer. don't know the answer to that question. Okay. Um, anyway, back to this, back to the M drive. So... Yeah, the point here is that these are bouncing around inside the cavity. Well, if something bouncing around is going to give, you know, on one end the same impulse to the other end. Back and forth, back and forth. It's not going to... Uh, There's going to be conservation of momentum. You're going to have the same impulse on both sides. How can you get thrust from that without exhausting something? That violates... Everything we know, I mean, it violates basic conservation laws. It's conservation of momentum. We talked about conservation of momentum. Remember, I showed you the, the math behind conservation of momentum. Essentially, all that was saying is that if you have some momentum on some system here, and you take that entire system and move that somewhere else in the universe, that same momentum is going to be there. That's what that physics was saying. It was saying that the, this momentum here is going to be the same momentum somewhere else in the, in the universe, because that momentum is going to be measured the same in, in, in any reference frame that's the same. This would indicate that that's un, not true. That isn't universal. If that's not universal, we have a lot of rethinking to do. If conservation of momentum is not a universal, so that's why people are thinking, well, there must be something else going on here. There's some... I, the, the one thing I saw is in the paper... By the way, this is not like the most prestigious journal ever. Just want to point that out. Mm-hmm. This is not like physics re- uh, review letters. This is um, still a, a, a journal and, and one with, with with decent peer review, but not but not the, you know the most prestigious one, or not the one that requires the most like two years and three years of, of work to get published. Uh, the in the paper, there's a suggestion about pilot wave theory because now pilot wave quantum mechanics is a new hotness for some reason. Okay. God knows why. Um, Veritasium did a recent thing on it. Some other people did recent videos on pilot wave theory. I think Space Time is going to be doing one on pilot wave theory soon. This is, uh, this is a, a concept in quantum mechanics. I could go over it later, but I don't want to go over it now, because I okay. think they don't uh, have good a good way to explain it. Um, but, it's just the new hotness. There's no reason why that should be the case. It's just them trying to find some answer for how it doesn't violate conservation of momentum. Because right now, they don't know. Right now, it seems that if, if it does produce thrust, it violates conservation of momentum. The, the thing that they seem to be missing um, that I read about was thermal expansion. Okay. You, you turn this thing on, and there's uh, some heat differential, and that could cause in the apparatus the apparatus to show some thrust based on how the apparatus is designed. Because we're measuring like micronewtons of thrust, right? Like mosquitoes. Well, it said here this article I'm looking at right now. It says. Um... 
where it go? Talking about the amount of thrust, but well, you know that ion drive that they talk about how it ha- you know it's the here it goes. It's one point two millinewtons per kilowatt. Right. For reference, that'd be like a powerful gaming PC under load, generating the same force as a few popcorn kernels in your hand. Yeah, hundred times, but still hundred times better than a solar sail. Yes, but a solar sail has a huge collection. Well, I'm not. It just says then. So it doesn't say a solar sail. Because a solar sail, it would be using photon momentum, uh, and that would not be able to collect. I mean, it's just that that would be really slow. But it would over time build it. The idea is just like an ion drive, very very tiny amount of of. Uh, of acceleration, but constant, that means it will add up. Uh, if you can do, if you can create a reactionless drive, <laughs> that's something special. But so far, one peer review. Uh, hey, the 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 neutrino thing that was peer reviewed. <laughs> yeah, you know, like neutrinos. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's one of those things where. I'm not hedging my bets against the fact that we need to rethink all of science. But I'll see if I can find that Mythbusters for you. Okay. Um, I don't have an interesting analogy for this, but I did want to talk a little bit about superconductivity. I don't know how much you know about it. Probably not. Uh, you have an item with zero resistance. Yes. So resistance comes from essentially uh, heat. From things, uh, the fact that uh, electrons are what we call fermions. Uh, they have to obey the Pauli exclusion principle. Which means that you can't have the same electron with the same, uh, the same quantum numbers be in the same position as another one. They can't stack up on each other. Bosons can. That's why you can make lasers. Because you can stack photons at the same type on top of each other and just increase the intensity. What happens in a superconductor is that you can turn, under very specific conditions, you can turn electrons into bosons. Oh, okay. Uh, What happens is there's... Electrons actually... If you were... To get rid of their charge, um, electrons would want to be bosons. It's actually energetically favorable, but the fact of the matter is that there's so much Coulomb repulsion between them that you can't ever do that. Effectively, in a superconductor, you can turn off that Coulomb repulsion. Oh, okay. So they effectively, they turn into bosons, and they move through the system uh, without resistance because they kind of pile up on top of each other. So resistance isn't a, a force needed to make them leave their atom for the next atom. It's no, it's, you, that's it's potential, a, it's a, right? It, but it's a traffic conductor type, you know, like thing mm-hmm. where you know it's it's in the system because you got to wait for one to come out of the way before a new one can get there, type thing. Yep. So that exhibits itself as resistance. Okay. So I never really, I never, I don't think I ever really asked myself what is the phenomenon that causes resistance. But I probably would have, my first gut feel, and I don't know how, I probably would have 
I don't know if I would have came away from it with that answer or not. My gut feel was, you know, get something to move. You know, there's something that's holding it where it's at, mm. right? And you got to to get to move to the next thing. You got to give it some energy or something like that right. would have been my guess. But, it, you know, what you're saying is that when things don't have to wait in line, there's no resistance. But because these guys have to wait in line because they can't be where the next guy is yeah. until the next guy moves, that push that pushes pressure back at the system and gives it resistance. Uh, if you... If you keep something in superconduct in a superconducting temperature, it can carry a voltage forever. Essentially, it can carry mm-hmm. a current forever, just mm-hmm. going on around, around, around. And the vo- voltage is, is potential. Voltage is essentially building up your negative or positive potential to attract things. Uh, and current is the is how is how many electrons basically are moving. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it can just spin around without ever. So a superconducting magnet gets its ridiculous strength because it can get more current going through mm-hmm. tiny wires right than if it was not superconducting because the wires would burn up mm-hmm. if you look at the wires they use with the LHC uh, compared to them to like the Tamatron or something I mean they're tiny you know they're just thin uh, I'm just thinking of an ribbons. MRI though too. yeah but I mean but like it, it exactly you know the so LHC is probably the most advanced that we have, and these thin ribbon wires that work mm-hmm. to get these incredible, which would just melt if there was resistance. Mm-hmm. But because we can do that without resistance, they just let it hey, let it go go on through, no problem. So you can get then huge amounts of of current going through. It also helps with efficiency, right? Yeah. Because you don't have to have, once you get the system bootstrapped it. Yeah. doesn't have much loss. Right. Efficiency and, of course, since you're carrying a lot of charges, you have a huge amount of potential. Right. Well, the potential is what you need for an MRI to work or for the mm-hmm. LHC to control the beams. Right. It's it's pretty nice that you don't have to, you know, once you, you know that it doesn't burn a lot of coal once you actually get it up and running. Yeah. The interesting thing is, is like I said, that, the cool, that, that thing where it turns off the coolant potential only happens if... If the temperature is cold enough, effectively it, it's it, it is actually the same thing as the Higgs mechanism. You it creates this vacuum expectation field effectively, which uh, and and so it's once the one, once the heat gets someplace that, that spontaneous symmetry breaking is over. It only happens when it gets cold enough. Effectively, you could say that our universe is cold enough now to be superconducting. Okay. Uh, and when it was hot, when it was in the early Big Bang, it was like the first uh, billionths of a second or so, or even sooner. It was too hot for it to be superconducting, and it got cold at the electroweak epoch. And what's the? Um, do you know like how warm superconducting? Breaks the down? the best I think is somewhere around. I want to say. 90 Kelvin, which is good because uh, liquid nitrogen is 77. So there are some superconductors that we can cool with liquid nitrogen. Okay. I don't know. I think they're not as great. Yeah. MRI as, machines are not cooled no, by nitrogen. Yeah, they're helium cooled. Yeah. Uh, because th- we don't act that superconductivity, we don't understand. Be honest. We we understand uh, 
the superconductivity is going on with the helium cool stuff. That's BCS superconductivity. It's explained by this Cooper pairs, which are these electrons bound together. We don't actually understand the the so-called high-temperature superconductors and stuff that works under liquid nitrogen. Um, we don't have any idea how to make a room-temperature superconductor, for example. That would be major if we could do that. But mm-hmm. we don't know how. So. Liquid nitrogen is easy enough to make, though. If we can make something that works reliably at that, that'd be game-changer. Yeah, it would. If we could make easy to make materials that we could that could superconduct. I mean almost any metal I think would superconductor or these very common metals will superconduct at helium temperatures. Mm-hmm. The ones that are high temperature are just harder to make. And not as not as worky worky. <laughs> uh I don't really have anything else. Um you know, just just along those lines since you're wrapping up is Material science, you know, with nanotech and other, not even nano, not even technically nanotech, but this like material science over the last twenty years, it kind of, you know, I never, it kind of was like it's, I don't want to say this, but the advances that they've had are just like so impressive. Yeah. Oh, like, very much. And, so. and like, no one was ever talking about watch the material science coming down the pike. Yeah. You know, I'm not even talking about nanotech stuff. I mean, like, think how much better nylon and polyester clothing. Glass. Think how much better the glass. The glass, but Under Armour. Like, remember what polyester clothes used to t- feel like? <laughs> nylon clothes used to feel like? Yeah. And now, like, synthetic fibers are the norm. Mm-hmm. They're lighter. They wick moisture better, you know, all that stuff. And the, um, I'm trying to think of other examples, but, I mean... Man, that would have been. And, and how do you find the stuff that works? You just experiment with materials all day. You know, yeah. I mean, that'd be a cool job to have. You get, you, well, you get better and better at experimenting with it and working with what you have, and then you figure yeah. out. Well, maybe we can try this and this and this, and then you do that, and it's really expensive for a while. And then you you, you learn from somebody else. There's a better way to do this aspect. There's a better way to do that aspect. Start combining it. This is why science is so great because you can then. You don't have to just concentrate on what you're doing. You can take somebody what else somebody else is doing and apply that to what you're doing, mm-hmm. and it works. Yeah. Well, like, example like socks in the '90s when you wanted to have good hiking socks, you need to buy some polypropylene socks, which were the most uncomfortable things, but they'd wick the moisture away from mm-hmm. your feet, and you'd wear wool socks over top of them. And you know, you look at like these. Asics socks I'm wearing now, which are 100% synthetic, and they're comfortable. They're as com- more comfortable than cotton socks, mm-hmm. you know. And just thinking how far that's come in 30 years, like yeah. soft, soft plastic, you know, soft um, synthetic fibers. I, I could talk about material science and engineering all for for, for an hour, but I don't want to. <laughs> I, I do want to ask you uh, about something that you mentioned at one point. Okay. Um, let me just see if I have my notes on it here. The spiritual meaning of grouse? <laughs> uh, you said you don't like career politicians. No. Why not? Why not? I... Let, me, let me ask you this question. Instead, okay. of, instead of asking you like directly why not. Uh, let's say you're... you're... I haven't uh, been lucky enough to have any or many... Um, career politicians that uh, seem like a good representative of mine. 
Okay. Maybe that's why. Okay, that that's a that's a decent answer. So let's say you're fed up and you decide to damn it all do politics, right? Uh, or, or God forbid, you're dragged into it. Um, and you may intend to get out, right? Uh, you may intend, like, I'm just going to do this for four years and so just get the fuck out. Uh, what happens if you're good at it? What if you can get things done? <laughs> Should you leave? Uh, my opinion might be different if um, I was represented by career politicians that I agreed with, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, yeah, maybe my point of view is just. I don't like my a career product, politicians. A product of my yeah. career politicians are assholes. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that people who are good at politics should be career politicians, right? That's the market working. Uh, okay. So. I would have said that in the context of. Holding the same position for twenty years, you're consistent at least. No, 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 not not your position of what you believe in. Your position is your uh, same office for twenty years. Uh huh. You're getting things done at that office that other people wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. If you really think you you're going to be better than anybody else, and you leave it up to the people to decide. Doesn't strike me as a bad thing. My point is is not that all career politicians are good, but that you can't just say that all career politicians are bad. The general case doesn't work because the the, yeah, the reality sure. should be that a good career politician should probably stay or make it like jury duty, and everyone gets to try. Do you want that? I don't know. I don't know if I want that. After would, all the Confederate flags I saw up by Deer Camp, no. Would Would you want <laughs> people to be going in and out of like your your underlings on how many you have? But would you want that to be a revolving position? <laughs> so every let's say six weeks you get a new one, and some are good and some are bad. <laughs> is that going to be helpful to you? Is that going to Is that going to improve your productivity or or not? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. All right, point taken. Okay. That's it. My career politicians are assholes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl Metcalf, right? Yep. Yeah, wet farts. Mike Kelly. <laughs> uh, okay, that's it. All right. That's all I got. I'm going to head off to home, and then I'm going to head off to, uh, to Arizona. Have fun. What? what? Bye. Bye.